Hi, AP Jeers, it's the old curmudgeon here with a little bit extra, as the bishop said to the actress. With Jeff, Rick and Steph, plus many more, I hope, intending to come over to Blighty for the Farnborough Air Show, I thought you might like a few tales from the place you'll be going to. Back in the Second World War, the uh, Merlin engine that powered both the Spitfire and the Hurricane cut out badly under negative G. The cure came in the form of Miss Tilly's orifice. A little more of that later. Now Farnborough has been at the location of so many aviation firsts that I couldn't possibly name them all. But here are a few. Now aviation started at Farnborough with the arrival of the Royal Engineers Balloon Section, which had been going since 1878, but moved in 1905. And only a year later, Samuel Cody arrived with his man-lifting kites, soon to be appointed Chief Instructor in Kiting. Now 1907 saw Lieutenant Dunn developing the first British aeroplane fitted with two 12-horsepower Boucher engines. Cody also produced his first aeroplane in the same year, this only two years after the Wright Flyer first took to the air. 1906 also saw the first wind tunnel at Farnborough. Air machine development continued apace with airships, more sophisticated aircraft such as the SE-1, BE-1 and BE-2, in which Geoffrey de Havilland achieved a world record flight of 10,000 feet. By the start of World War I, Farnborough had become a centre of development that saw H.P. Follen, now there's another interesting name, went on to have his own aircraft company, as did Geoffrey de Havilland, but Follen developed a scout that had a top speed of 135 miles an hour, quicker than the official world record. Other remarkable experimental aircraft followed, like the first radio-controlled pilotless monoplane in 1916, meant as a defence against zeppelins. The list of developments at Farnborough became long. The spherical compass, aircraft instruments and bomb-aiming sites, the first flying wireless set, variable-pitch airscrews, all-metal aircraft construction, scale model testing in wind tunnels, and the specialist equipment they needed, such as fuels, oils, magnetos and spark plugs. Still in 1916, the Royal Aircraft Factory became a specialist research and development site. Moving on to World War II, we see wind tunnel tests being made on the first British jet aircraft, the Gloucester Whittle E-28. The gyro gun site was developed there, and so good was it that the USA immediately started production of their own. Back in 1940, the basic design for the F-2 axial flow jet engine was completed there. The Royal Aircraft Establishment Radio Department turned an experimental radar into something that could be mass-produced and deployed for ground and airborne use. A rocket launching of fighters was designed and produced in only three weeks to arm merchant ships crossing the Atlantic. Farnborough's advanced automatically set bombsets became standard equipment on both sides of the Atlantic.
pressurised cockpits for the Spitfires were developed for, developed for high-altitude flight. Autopilot units, mobile radar units, high Mach number testing, the list goes on. Back in 1944, a Spitfire from Farnborough reached Mach decimal 90, a feat not equaled again until 1948. Framber reconstructed both the V1 and V2 in 1944, and it only took three weeks for them to build a working impulse motor from the V1. In the post-war period, the Royal Aircraft Establishment at Farnborough continued to develop and test aircraft, such as the Hawker Harrier and Concorde. Rockets and missiles were built, such as the Black Arrow, the Black Prince and the Black Knight, and space satellites such as the Orber X-2 and Prospero X-3. Other achievements include the development of high-strength carbon fibre in 1963. Following the comet accidents, it was Farnborough where the science of microfractures and metal fatigue was discovered during the famous water tank tests of a full-size comet fuselage knowledge that was freely shared around the world to make the budding commercial aviation industry safer. Well, I hope that's given you a taste of Farnborough, the airfield. Next time, a little about the countryside, where it's situated. Oh, hang on, Miss Tilly's orifice. Ha <laughs> ha, well, Miss Beatrice, Tilly, Schilling, was a young female engineer working at the RAE, who came up with an alarmingly simple design to prevent the SU carburetors of the Merlin engine from cutting out under negative G. It was a small metal disc that acted as a flow restrictor, made to accommodate just the fuel needed for full power. Miss Schilling travelled around the countryside from one RAF base to another, fitting the restrictors, and although it was officially named the RAE Restrictor, the device was immensely popular with fighter pilots who gave it the appropriate nickname.